0: What the literal definition of hot mess is, is an attractive disaster. That's what it means. Some of you know a few of them, right? Or you feel like one, right? A hot mess is talking about a person that behind the scenes kind of their life is somewhat falling apart. Their life is some, you know, it's kind of in disarray, but they're still somewhat functional. They're still able to show up to work. They're still able to, you know, show up to school. Um, But behind the scenes, man, it's, it's kind of fallen apart. In other words, a hot mess is someone who cleans up well. They clean up well, and we all do this. We have to admit that we all do this because at some level, regardless of what's happening at home, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes, we we still show up to, to school or work and we smile, right? And when someone says, hey, how are you doing? We say we're doing good, even though maybe we're not doing good. And we do this at church. We're actually, you do this the best at church, right? You show up and smile, and, and you turn, like, how you doing? You, you turn that from good to you say, oh, I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I'm blessed, you know? And and and, and even though you were fighting on the way to church, you know, and the kids are a mess, and, and life's kind of falling apart, we just get really good, a lot of us, at at cleaning ourselves up. And maybe that's why, for some of you, it's like, you don't like church, you know? It kind of, you just don't like being in these environments because you look around and everyone's life seems to be a lot better than yours. And it, it almost seems and feels sometimes like everyone's happier than you are, right? And so if that's you and, and you're here and you kind of feel like the hot mess and everyone else has got to get together, can, can you just be assured of something tonight, okay? You are surrounded right now, by rows and rows and rows of some of the finest hot messes in town, okay? We are like really good at it, and uh, I include myself in that, okay? We all do this. We all are hot messes from time to time. Now, in this stu- <laughs> Isn't
1: that the truth? Hey, Amen. I never realized this more than last night. I'm telling you, last night, you couldn't ask for a sermon illustration to come out of nowhere better than what happened to me last night. I get home late, and Amy is dying her hair, which that experience alone is a hot mess experience I want to escape from. I'm just being honest. Years ago, she dyed her hair one time like jet black because she'll do it at like midnight. I don't get it, you know. No time to fix things. It's midnight. But so last night I get home and she's got dye in her hair and she's like, I'm dyeing it red and, and I hope it'll be okay, and, but I got a back up, thank God. And, uh, but she comes into the bedroom and I'm laying on the bed and, 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 and she kneels like in the middle of the bed as she's talking to me, letting the stuff set, right? And um, I don't know what's going on. I'm just sitting there listening and talking and all of a sudden my eyes start to itch. Now, y'all know I have allergies. I do, cats especially, okay? But, but my eyes are itching. I know it's not a cat because we don't have those evil things in my house. <laughs> my, my throat's not scratching or swelling, so I know it's not a cat, you know? But when it comes down to it, my eyes are itching. I'm like, baby, I'm having an allergic reaction. I don't know what from, and we're just talking, and they just keep getting redder and more red and more red. And I'm, and I'm rubbing them and I'm rubbing them. And, and then all of a sudden, okay, Amy goes, I wonder if it's the ammonia... From my hair thing, and here's what she says, she's linking everything evil to cats like we should. She she, she says, ammonia's in cat pee, you know, so she said, maybe that's, I liked how she thought that. It wasn't dander, it was surely the, the cat because whatever, I don't know. So, what ends up happening is, neck, my eyes are just killing me. So I'm like, I'm going to leave the environment, right? So I go downstairs, and actually I pulled my notes out, and I'm looking down at my notes, and I'm doing some last minute little things last night, just like I do on Saturday nights. as I'm getting things sometimes hot off the presses, that last little, some of the best stuff comes that night, you know? And so I'm sitting there, and and, and my lower eyelids start to feel thick. And so I I come, I'm like, I'm I'm blinking, I'm like, man, I can feel my, your eyes aren't supposed to feel your eyelids, And I don't wanna freak out, so I'm trying to really test it. I'm like, yeah, I I can't feel it, no, like this at her. And I said, I feel like my eyelids are touching my eyeballs, you know? And so I go in the bathroom and God is my witness. When I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, heck no. (laughs) It's not my eyelids, y'all. The whites of my eyes were swelling out my face. God is my witness. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, baby, you gotta get in here. You gotta come look at this. This is a, something's going on. And so she comes and looks, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, and then you know what you do? You call Jesus and Jared. This is what you do. I'm like, I gotta call Jared. Jared, thank you, my brother. So Jared lives down the street. He's the young guy that came with us when we planned this church 13 years ago. And I'm like, I'm gonna call Jared because I don't know what's going on. So I call up Jared, and I'm like, Jared, you may need to come over here and check this out. Give us another, like, you know, because I go, I go, my eyes, are swelling out of my, and I literally, I told him, I said, it's, and I'm touching my eye, and I don't feel it, and it's swell, like the whites. I'm like, my eyes are turning to jelly, Jared, right before my, my, my eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's, God is my witness, right, Jared? And I'm touching it, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what, you gotta get, so he's freaked out, he comes. When he gets there, you know it's bad when your friend goes, good Lord. <laughs> I'm saying, he's like, we're taking the emergency room. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't like that because you have to spend money. So I'm like, let me go downstairs. Let me get the computer. I'm I'm trying to look up stuff. Guys, there's something called allergic conjunctivitis. And what that is, is when your eyes are irritated and you rub them too much, the whites will swell out your face. I mean, I can show you. I should have put the picture up there, but it grossed you all out. It blew, It's crazy looking. What happened? Now, here's the thing. I'm not lying. When I'm poking at it, and it's, I, I literally could imagine in my head this thing becoming jelly-like and just going opaque across my eyes, and I'm blind and deaf. <laughs> You know, that's literally just going. And so I don't know about y'all, but my anxiety level like went way up, you know. I mean, serious anxiety. And the reason why is because anxiety often comes from feeling like you can't change a situation. You want to see change in it, but you can't. In that moment, I'm like poking, like this is not supposed to happen. And I'm like anx- anxious. I can feel my heart palpitate. I'm, like, I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, I'm sitting there freaking out. And, but when I started getting some information, I started realizing, okay, so we went and got saline, we rinsed him, we got some Jesus in a bottle, this, this juice that like literally just, oh, allergy related, like relief. It was amazing. But the thing about that, that anxiousness that I was feeling, it was because I felt in that moment helpless and hopeless. I felt like where I'm at to where I want to be is so far away. Are they going to have to pop my eyes out to fix me? I don't know. I was just freaking out, you know? And so anxiety came upon me because I knew in that moment I didn't think I could change that situation. And so here's what we're doing. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how to break free from certain emotional struggles. And so today what we're looking at is escaping anxiety. Everybody say escape. Escape. Anxiety. Anxiety. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 and stand to your feet as we look at God's word this morning. And so we're going to be looking at escaping anxiety today the book of Philippians helps us to order our thoughts it shows us how we should mandate our minds so that we should be able to be able to practice the mind of Christ last week as pastor Brantley taught with the chains he was talking about that soulish mind your mind your will and emotions that is linked so much to your flesh but then he kept talking about this spirit mind the spiritual sense that spirit mind everybody says is the mind of Christ say the mind of Christ God has not called us. As we become new believers, as we are regenerated, the Spirit of God changes who we are. We stop being called to run our lives by our soulish self, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And now we are called to learn what it looks like to control our lives through the mind of Christ. In the book of Philippians, the whole book, to me, as I've read it as a young man, I've always looked at it as a mandate for the mind. And what mandate is, that's a command, an order. And so it's how we order our thoughts. So over the next four weeks, as we look at escaping these different emotional um, constraints, I believe a lot of it's going to be rooted in the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. We're going to be absorbing that book into our hearts so that we can think like the mind of Christ. Amen. And so today we're going to start off right here with Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. And you've heard the scripture before. It's such a good word. It says rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice, and like Pastor said here on the screen, Pastor Andrew, sometimes that's how it is at church. It's like you just feel like, oh, everybody else is rejoicing, but I'm a hot mess. I've got all this tension, anxiety, frustration, stuff's tore up from the floor up, but when it comes down to it, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Watch this. Do not be anxious about anything. Man, that's hard. That's hard. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's like making those requests known to God is what supplication is. It, it kind of defines it right there. It says, make your request known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, over the next few minutes, I ask that you would help us to be able to break free from anxiety, to give us the tools, Lord God, that that tension we feel from where we are To what we want to see the outcome be, that tension, Lord, that you would learn us, teach us how to deal with that, that you would help us in that, Lord, I pray, in your precious name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and sit down and say, you are a hot mess, real loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I said, often anxiety comes from feeling like you can't change a situation. And there's things in our lives at times that are real heavy. You know, we have financial tension. Anybody with some financial tension in the house? all right all right well um i don't want you to get too loud on this one we have relational because you know they might be sitting beside you (laughs) relational tension don't elbow nobody don't look just look straight ahead all right keep your eyes straight ahead um maybe you're dealing with your career what in the world you know you have professional professional tension okay pro that's e there you go professional tension Um, How many right now is looking at career changes, or maybe you're laid off, or anything like that? Anybody? Man, God bless you guys, you know. Um, The students here, all the high schoolers getting ready for college, you're just freaking out, what am I going to do, what am I going to be? That tension from where you are to where you're going is elevating as that diploma gets closer and closer. Maybe you're in college and you're feeling the same way. The diploma's getting closer and closer, and you're just not sure, am I going to find a job and such? So it could be some academic academic tension, any academic tension in here? Any, any, any? All right, all right, some, some. Yeah, Pork chop, you got some academic tension. That's awesome. That's our boy Pork chop. I say that because I love him. No, it really is, that's his nickname, so don't, don't be like, that dude, pastor called that guy Pork chop. We have no tension here, we have no tension. Another one that I, I, I to be quite honest, that frustrates me the, t- is health, you know, knowing where I need to be that is, that's a L-T-H. Yes, it is. Knowing where I need to be and not being able to get there creates incredible tension in my life. It does. You know? So every single one of us face various forms of tension. And, and if you think about it, this is kind of where you are right here. You know, This is real life. This is your experiences as you have them right now. And every one of us will have goals and dreams and visions of how these are supposed to be, that imagined life, okay? And so out here, you have this imagined life, okay? And the problem with this is where the real life is and where the imagined life is, there's a huge gap between those two you know can I tell you something that's kind of crazy that I've just learned recently that for people who are entrepreneurial people who are people of vision you know you're high D type A let's go make some huge thing happen you know what their gap is even bigger than others they have a goal they have a nation but you know their frustration and tension is even bigger too not just because they have a bigger goal, they have a harder time going from real life to making those goals happen. And they fall into a circle of dreaming, 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 visionaring, visionaring, dreaming, someday, someday, someday. And they feel all this internal angst because of it. You know? And so, so all those kinds of things come into play. You know, whether you're rich, poor, doesn't matter, male or female, young or old, when it comes down to it, each of us have a real life, And we have an imagined life. And if I ask you right now, there's things in each of these categories that you would say are not being experienced, but they're definitely on that outer level of the imagined life, the hoped-for life. I'm going to get there life, you know? And just that gap, that reality gap, that is where, between real life and imagined life, that's where tension lies, so last night, my real life right now is my eyes are swelling out my face, okay? My imagined life is they're going to have to remove my eyes. I'm going blind. There's a huge gap here. But you know what? One little step. That's all it took. Man, little. Hey, Grant, toss it to me. It's by, by, by your foot right there. No, it's on, the, it's on the seat right there. Thank you. That's not Grant. That was, that was Kathy. That's, so just do not want that. Was, okay, so see this? Jesus in a bottle. Just a little, little thing made all the difference in the world. But I can't tell you, I thought I was going to have a panic attack. I thought I was going to go into cardiac arrest looking at my eyes, you know. And all it was was just a little just a little thing that needed to take place here in the real world. I, this whole perceived thing was causing tension. So that tension comes sometimes from the difference between the real life and the imagined life. And, and, and I want to throw something out at you. And, and this isn't going to maybe relate to everybody. But for me, this is kind of sometimes where myself and I think those that are in my industry, other pastors, I think business guys, et cetera, we, we struggle with this tension. And it's something I want to call the burden of greatness because every one of us man we want greatness in our health we want greatness in our finances we want real greatness in our relationships we want greatness in our professional and our academic life and so we've got this dream of what it's supposed to be like but like I've told you as further this is the bigger this dream is the bigger this goal is the more tension sometimes that you feel it's a burden of greatness so pastor what do we do about it let's all be mediocre that's a good idea no no that's not that's not the fix all right we're gonna get there But I want you to look here in 1 Kings um, 18. There's a story of a man. By the If you want to talk, he was the prophet of old, man. This man had just come off a run of miracles. If you want to talk about imagined and and perceived life, this guy's kind of walking in it, you know. I mean, he's really walking in what he felt was greatness in a sense. I mean, literally, he has seen this widow from Zarephath. She had nothing to eat. He told her to make him a meal first. She did. And from then on, for the length of the famine, her meal barrel and her flour or her oil barrel, it never ran dry. I mean, this is an awesome miracle. Uh, another woman or that, that, that another person, their, their son dies, and he brings that son back to life. That's pretty good, right? Um, there's another miracle in that he causes the drought to take place all at the behest of the will of God, the word of God. But he spoke it, and the drought came to that area as a, as a, a, a rebuke against wicked king Ahab. You see him on the mountain, and we hear the story of all the prophets of Baal trying to bring fire down. And man, with a, if I remember right, I think it's a 17-word prayer. He prays this little prayer, and the power of God falls on that, that mountain. Man, burns up the not just the stuff on the altar, but the altar itself. I mean, everything. Just just takes it, you know. This guy is moving in greatness. But I want you to see the level of anxiety that this guy has, all right? And I want to throw this up here. This is the passage of Scripture. It is 1 Kings 19, 3 and 4. And I want to look at it on the screen with you. Um, this, this, this on the right there. Huh, okay. I'll turn to it. Are we? Did the slides go down? Are the slides down? I'm sorry. It's back, I think it was slide four, I think. It has a fella standing in front of a screen. There we go. Perfect, all right. That's a hard job back there, I'm serious. Let's give them honor, because it is not easy back there. Because even though we have some direction, I go everywhere, obviously and so it's not he has went in but but this passage of scripture this is where we find king this is where we find rather elijah he has went into a cave and he is feeling as if he wants to die it says elijah was afraid and he prayed that he might die this is a guy that's it seems like he's walking in some really big stuff but do you see his tension he's worried he's afraid Man, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. There are tension, anxiety. It comes to the best of us, you know. It goes on and says, I've had enough. How many said that to the Lord before? I've had enough. I can't take any more, you know. He said, take my life. In other words, in a moment, right there, I mean, it sounds a little suicidal, to be quite honest. Doesn't it? Does he not say, take my life? He wants to die. I'm no better than my ancestors, and here's the thing about this, you know, the, the young man that, that 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 preached this sermon was two weeks ago. He preached this sermon at his church. He preached not the sermon I'm preaching, but he used this scripture, and this is him telling this story. And his name is Andrew Steckline. Andrew Steckline, and and in about 2011, his dad was the pastor of this large church in California. And his dad faced leukemia. And over the years, his dad succumbed to that. And in 2015, Andrew, um, I guess he was probably about 28, 27 or so, when that large church was placed into his hands by his father to lead. And Andrew has led well. That church has grown. God has done great things. This past Easter, they had seven services. I mean, they're doing an incredible work for the Lord, you know. And during that time of the last few years, couple of years since 2015, you know, they, they experienced last year the largest offerings they've ever experienced, the largest attendance that they've ever experienced, all those things. And um, Drew, he said that this way, he said, but you see before me in this sermon, he said, you see before me a pastor who is crumbling and weak and tired, not weak, like emotionally, you know, something wrong, just Just worn out. The young man, he had had um, stalkers. When you have a church that large, you know, people aren't always happy with what you do and say. And so he had three different people that were stalking him and his family and just agitating and such. And and so there's that that's been going on the last year. He had a couple masses removed from his chest, some form of 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 a tumor of some sort or a mass that had to be removed. I'm sure fear of the things his father went through. Over 60 kidney stones the young man had faced over the last year. 60. He called them his little babies. This is all This is all there as he's preaching this, this sermon. <clears throat> Drew, he said this. He said that failure, he heard it said, failure will kill you. But success will bury you alive. Everything that it looked like on the outside was walking in success, but that tension is real. everybody say the tension is real. everybody say anxiety is real and Drew in his sermon, he said that success in the pursuit of it can almost be suffocating. This past Easter, they did seven services over that weekend, and during the course of that Good Friday to Sunday morning, he was balled up on his floor in the bathroom of his office, just a mess just. An anxiety attack he's just a mess later that week they they take him and they put him in the hospital just to get better and um, they come to him his leadership team and they say you're gonna take a sabbatical and so he didn't preach for like four months this sermon this sermon two weeks ago was his first time back in the pulpit him and his wife greeted the people Him and his wife told the people they loved them him and his wife Explained everything in such beautiful clarity of the mental illness and struggle that Pastor Andrew was going through. Just beautiful. And he preached that sermon that Sunday. And 11 a.m. on Friday, August 24th, the 911 dispatcher received a call from Inland Hills Church about an attempted suicide. And when they arrived at the church, they identified Pastor Andrew Steckline as the victim of that attempted suicide. And within hours, Pastor Drew, as they call him, would be dead. Can we take a second and pray for this church? God, I can't imagine, Jesus, I can't imagine what that house is feeling like right now. Just yesterday, they... At his memorial service, Lord God, I know you visited that service, Lord. I've heard the things his wife has been saying. I know you're visiting that wife and that family. But those three little children, God, will grow up not understanding exactly what's happened here. Lord, for the body, just heal their hearts. Lord, this was a good man. Somehow out of all this pain and all this hurt, God, I ask that somehow in the name of Jesus, you would work these things out to be good in people's lives that we would be smarter because of this loss that we would walk in the mind of christ and have wisdom because of this loss we will not allow pastor drew Stackline's memory to go wasted in the name of jesus everybody say amen as andrew preached i'm just going to read a quote he said elijah he pinpoints the pain As you look at this story of Elijah, he acknowledges that he is filled with anxiety and depression. You see thoughts of death. You can see, in a sense, mental illness, as we would label it today on display. Not that is something that we don't like to talk about. We do. It says, now that is something that we don't like to talk about much, do we? Especially not the church. Remember at the beginning of that saying, this is the spice that he hated. At the beginning, glory to God, everything's good. He despised that. He hated that. He said, and what's odd to me about that is from cover to cover in Scripture, it's filled with men and women who have struggled with their emotions and their feelings and have been honest. And we have these Scriptures that have been preserved to read and relate to these feelings and emotions, he said. Can I tell you this? When you watch the whole sermon, it's about an hour and five minutes because him and his wife address the body first and then he preaches. When you watch the whole thing, we just wept through the whole thing, but when you watch it, that young man never, he had no intentions on that Friday to take his life. He was excited about being back the next week to bring more truth. He was, he was declaring the word. He, he was in the word, all those things. But man, the pressure, the tension, and I don't know what all his tension was, all I want to use this for is for us to realize that that tension isn't to be scoffed at or laughed at. That if you're facing that kind of tension to that degree, here in a little bit I'm going to give you some practical things that's going to help you with that. You know, and, and listen, here's the thing. I, I'm not trying to bring the mood down in this room, but this is the reality of this issue and we need to address it. Amen? Let me say it this way. The statistics, one in five adults in the U.S. experience mental illness. One in five adults. One in 25 adults live with severe mental illness. Severe mental illness. Along those lines, um, children coming up from 13 to 18 years old will have a mental illness. One in five of those children from 13 to 18 will struggle with mental illness in our culture. Suicide is the third leading cause of death in youth age 10 through 24. If that's not a reason enough to be a part of Mo Kids, and if that's not reason enough to be a part of the youth ministry here at the church, Next Gen Youth, I don't know what is. I'm just being honest. 90% of those who died of suicide had an underlying mental illness. Oh, it's just selfishness. Maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. Sometimes it's just brokenness so severe. That mental illness is so severe. And what it was, 90% of those, they died because it wasn't treated or it was being mistreated. It wasn't being treated appropriately. When it comes to depression, it is the leading cause of disability worldwide. And I don't know about y'all, have you ever been depressed? I, 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 the first summer that I was here... I got depressed. I mean, Amy had never seen me depressed because we were always too busy to be depressed. Things always happening. And that first summer here, a past teen, and here, I don't know what that is, you know. That's all I've been as a pastor since I was 19. And here we have, I have Jared and Charlotte, and that was it. That will make you depressed. No. (laughs) That's it, though. It's was just us that summer. And Amy's like, are you going to sleep in bed again all day long? Yeah. You know. I mean, it was, just, it was just about a month and a half of just couldn't get myself up out of bed, you know. Didn't feel like myself. That tension was real. Oh, we're going to plant an amazing, life-giving church. We're going to change the world. We're going to have a 2020 vision glory to God. Well, what else? What was that? This was in 2005 when we moved here, a 2020 vision. We were going to have 20 different outposts in the next 20 by 2020 sounds gro- <laughs> that's exciting that's a big gap you know since that tension feel that oh that sense of fear and failure and anxiety and you know oh yeah Here's, here's the thing, when it comes to this idea of anxiety and depression, we've got to pinpoint, we've got to figure out for you what that might be. And I think for me through the years at times, it was this burden of greatness, that I'm going to do great things. And how many know, every single one of you in this room, you're a part of that great things, amen? Yes, you are. But in my head, things looked so different 20 years ago, you know. Man, I wouldn't trade a thing now, not a thing. This is exactly where God had us to be, Amen. But man, 20 years ago, I thought something different. That tension, that tension. I thank God a few years ago, God just delivered me of that tension when it comes to that. And as I know what God's called us to do as a church, you know. And so praise the Lord for that but man that 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 burden of greatness and, and listen I, I hear it in i hear it in elijah chapter 19 verse 9 and there he went into the cave and he spent the night in that place and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said to him what are you doing here elijah so he said i've been very zealous for the lord of hosts i've been zealous i've been doing i'm going i'm going i'm going i'm going i'm doing i've been very zealous For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Nobody understands what I'm going through, you know? And so what we can see here is I want to give you kind of an option. You can continue to repeat this over and over and over and over, or you can retreat. You can pull away, find your time. I'm not just saying the mully grumps in a cave. I'm saying purposeful time. The last week of this series, when I preached the last, on the 30th, I'm going to be dealing with some steps toward... Rel- but all I'm saying here, face, okay, and some real practical things. I'll talk more about that then. But all I'm saying here is you've got to change up your environment. you got to, you know. Poor Pastor... Andrew had a four-month sabbatical and it probably just wasn't time yet, you know? Back in the same environment, back with the same pressures, back with, I can't imagine after four months coming back that week and going, crap, it's all the same. And the burden, the weight of that, it's all the same. It's, It's all this is, it's just too much. I don't dishonor him at all. Not one bit. The man, had, he was sick. He knew it. Trying to find help, he knew it. It says here that Elijah went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah. Can I I tell you something that's really neat? When you retreat, when you pull back, even if you pull back wrong, God came and spoke to him. God did not not deny him in the cave. When I was in that bed that summer, God wasn't denying me. He was speaking to me and pulling me out. Don't, Don't feel like if I pull back and I retreat, God will stop speaking. Sometimes that's exactly what you have to do. And God came and spoke to him. God did not deny him in the cave. And we can see here the word, say the word of the Lord came. So what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to give you a tool to retreat with. And it's the Word. Everybody say the Word. What I want us to do, the Philippians, the book of Philippians, this letter, it is a, a letter that allows us to mandate our mind. And we're going to take this first week going in, chapter one. And I want to challenge you to retreat with the Word. Go to that cave. Go to that place of retreat. But listen. And, and, and we want God to be loud and huge. And as you read that story a little bit more, he doesn't come in the wind. He doesn't come in the rain. He doesn't come in all that lightning, fire. He doesn't. Come, he comes with a still, small voice. Just take the still, small voice. Okay? But I want the wind. I want the fire. I want the mountain to be. No, no, no. Just that thing that you can walk in and the reality of the still, small voice of God. Take that scripture this week. And every day, read chapter one. Everybody say day, I'm going to read... Philippians chapter 1 every day this week. week. We're going to retreat, and we're going to retreat with the Word. There in that place of, of the cave, God's Word came to Elijah. Praise the Lord. And his word is going to come to us as well. Why is this so important for putting Philippians in our heart? Because it's a mandate for our minds so that we can have the mind of Christ. And I believe if we can do this over the next month, next week we'll do chapter 2. We're going to be able to digest and put this into us so that God can use that to help us put on the mind of Christ. How many know the word of God is still coming to you? You know that? Yeah, yeah. I want to look here in Philippians. Look at this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. It says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. Now, every time I've read this through the years, I feel like I've got to do more. How many feel that when you read this? Because you got to press. Watch this. I pressed on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. i got to press. I've got, I've got to make this gap happen. I've got to fix that. I've got to push. I've got to press. But I want to continue on. It says, this upward call of God in Christ Jesus, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. When you look at that, I love a few things. First, it says, those who are mature, that we're to think this way. In other words, those who are practicing putting on the mind of Christ. That's what brings maturity. Amen? So those who are mature think this way. And and, and so how are we supposed to think? That we press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But is that greatness, is that what it's getting at in this? You know, this huge dream, this huge, is that what it's talking about? Are we created for greatness? Can I show you in Ephesians, another epistle of Paul, what we're created for? Put it on the screen, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Say, Say good works. I like that. Which God prepared beforehand. God already knows that we should walk in them. These works that are already prepared ahead of time for us to to walk in, God knows, and that he's prepared it. And, 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 And I just, I don't know, I got to thinking, are we created for greatness? No, no, we are created for good works. Are we created for the imagined life? And please, I'm not saying stop having an imagination. Stop having dreams. I'm saying, begin to think of it this way, that you're created for good works. The things you can control, the things you can do. That's what you're created for. What are are good works? You know, when, when you read that, you could think, well, some special assignment, some huge assignment. Maybe not, because the rest of Ephesians lays out what good works look like. So in Ephesians 2, we see that we're created in his workmanship for good works. You read the rest of Ephesians, and you know what it says? It's basically teaching us to put the mind of Christ on in being a husband, I heard a preacher say, you know, you're just your regular old life, your regular old life, your same old, same old life. And and you know what? I'm that preacher. I've said that before. You know, you're just going to get up in the morning and read your newspaper and have cereal with the kids and just, you know, same old, same old, and tomorrow do it again. Well, by God, I hope tomorrow you do that because that's a darn good work. Coffee there with the kids? I miss that good work so often. You know why? The burden of greatness causes me to miss the good work, the godly work, that God would call me to be as a husband and as a father. And I repent before you today for that. My wife, she's not in here. I repent for that. Unneeded tension, unneeded stress, unneeded anxiety, because the burden of greatness. The rest of Ephesians tells you to be a good wife, be a good son. Talks to you too, Grant. I'm so proud of you, buddy. You are a good son. Man, I'm so proud of this kid. Man, (laughs) he loans me money sometimes now. It's awesome. Literally, it goes on to be a good employee. It's in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's talking about slave and servant, but it's, in our culture, it's employee and employer. Be a good one, you know? So here's the reason why. Because people that have these huge dreams often are the last ones to get there. I can't tell you how often I have said, I'm gonna write a book. I've been saying this since I was 21. I'm gonna write a book. I have not written a book. Why? I have big dreams, but I don't act. Brantley doesn't have enough sense not to just do it. <laughs> See in here? I'm just being, I, I honor my friend Brantley. I mean, because here in this real world, I'm just gonna every day write a few pages. And guess what? Turned into a book. Oh, I've got outlines, I've got dreams, I've got ideas, and I've got a whole heck of a lot of tension. Man, I, I need less greatness in my life. I just wanna be really good amen and if you're not getting anything out of this is extremely cathartic for me so <laughs> i hope you're getting something out of them ah so i wrote it this way that the, 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 the good works over time produce great results you know Really, good works over time present godly results. That's the important thing. So the gap between real life and imagined life is bridged by daily faithfulness and the small things that you can control, those little things. These small things over time will impact the larger things that bring you so much anxiety now. Good works really are godly works. And you do godly things, and over time you get godly results. And guess what? A lot of that stuff will be out here. A lot of stuff will be great things. But you're delivered from the anxiety of the burden of greatness. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we order our thoughts. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. Watch this. In the last part of that, verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. You already got so much in your hands God's given you. Focus in on that. Focus in on that. Life is about moving forward. But it's not about vain pursuit. You already got it. Everybody say, I have attained. Yeah, you're a workman. You created his workmanship for good works. You've already got that. So the reality gap will paralyze you with fear and anxiety. And I just want to challenge you to come into this small circle of real life where just little decisions make huge differences over time. A decision not to do something can be unleashed also not just by the power of not of, of doing it. It can also be unleashed by the power of not doing it. There's a lot of power of doing. Ever say do the, do the opposite? Just recently I was talking to a friend about this and just the idea of do the opposite. I know this is probably what I shouldn't. Or I, I I know this is difficult. I'm just gonna do it. You know, just do it. Just do the opposite. This takes me the wrong path. Okay, just I can't control the big thing. I just I'm just gonna do the opposite. So there's things like that that you just do the opposite. Some of you, there's a decision that needs to be made, though, on the other side to reach out, to do something. Everything in you says the gap is too large. You know, this is just too large. Well, do the opposite and just do something. It's just too much. I can't, I'll never get there. That's all right. Just do the opposite of that emotion and just just do something. And I want to give you a few things on the screen, and then we're going to go to prayer and worship. Here's a few things on the screen for you. And we'll, we'll get this. This is in your notes on mymomentum.tv on the website. So go to your notes for today because this is all in there. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI.org. If you need to look at some things to see, man, am, am I making too big a deal of this? Or am I really struggling with this anxiety and depression to a degree that I need some help? Man, please be cautious. Number two. We're going to have Celebrate Recovery starting up here in just a few weeks. It's the launching of a a big Celebrate Recovery every week. The service, the whole thing. Behind the scenes, for the last nine months, that team has went through all four book studies, and they're ready to be sponsors and mentors. And so that is coming up. Man, if you have hurts, habits, or hangups, do something. That day, you'll be like, I don't want to come. Do the opposite and come, just that one day. Well, yeah, but I'll never be able to complete the four books okay, that's too far out here. Do the opposite. Just start Monday night right here. Monday night I'm going. When that first Celebrate Recovery comes, don't worry about out here. Don't worry about four books. Think Monday night, you know? Counseling. Please call the church office. I put the phone number in the notes so you can go there. Call the church office. If you need counseling, we have people that we can connect you to that are amazing counselors. I'm going to tell you this right now publicly, and my wife will be thrilled that I say it, and so will my staff, and it's a hard thing for me to say. I'm not going to be counseling as much as I used to. I'm just being honest. I'm a pastor. I want to love you. I want to be there for you, okay? But I'm gonna be limiting my counseling to a few sessions a week. I'm not saying a few sessions with each person. (laughs) A few sessions in total, because I'm realizing that it's taking too much of the margin that I need to lead my staff, my family, and other next level leaders and other families well. And I love you and you have to know that. People I'm counseling right now, I'm not saying that you're a burden, I'm not not saying that. I'm just saying that in that load as we move forward, I'm gonna be very mindful about what I'm doing and it's not because I don't love you, it's because I love my family more than I love you. (laughs) Mm. The next thing, we believe here in Momentum Church in medicine. We believe in medicine at Momentum Church. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You know? Um, I'm I'm looking for the band. Is the band coming up? I'm not sure where they're at. Yeah, the band was going to be coming up. So we're going to be ministering here in a second. But we believe in medicine. Guys, listen, this is a stigma-free zone. Period. A stigma-free zone. There are medicines. Pastor Corey asked me to share this. He said that when he was the lead pastor for those seven years, there were some dark days. And he said he was having spaghetti with his lovely wife, Kristen, and he just starts to weep in his spaghetti. And she's like, something's not right. Let's go to the doctor. And he said it was the first time he started using Lexapro, an antidepressant. Helped him tremendously. Amen. We believe in medicine at Momentum Church. Amen. Guess what else we believe in? Miracles at Momentum Church. We believe in the power of prayer. Those are not um, counterintuitive. Those are two hands of the same. Or Roberts would teach this, and he was a huge healer place. That's the place I went to school. He would teach two flows of divine healing medicine and the miraculous. And they both are the river of healing coming from God. So we believe in both. Let's stand to our feet. so at this time our our prayer partners are going to come forward those who are here staff if you want to come forward and pray you know uh, some of our small group leaders want to come forward and pray. just up here what we're going to do is we're going to go back into worship for just a little bit and um as i said that whole repeat or retreat we can continue to just go 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 until we're fried or we can stop and retreat and get to the word well the same way we can worry or we can worship and over the next little bit we're gonna worship the Lord. Worship helps us to transfer the burden of what we aren't called to carry on to God who is called to carry that burden. In other words, God, you got this. That's what worship does. It lifts our eyes to him, God, you got this. And we got our prayer partners here and there's some folk here today that usually reminded God's got this and these at this altar are gonna pray for you. They'll speak a strong word over you. Prophecy may go forth. I don't know what God may declare over your life. But miracles can happen. Maybe for you, you're like, I don't want touch. I just need God. Kneel at this altar. Just something. You know? Just that little reality, that little thing, you know? Just do something. And the final thing we're going to do with this, just like we're helping you with retreat, we're all going to so help you over this season with worship. So over the next few weeks, there will be a playlist that is on our Spotify for Momentum. And today's playlist for this week is Escaping Anxiety. Every week, it'll be another playlist. These are songs that mean something to your pastoral staff, and we compiled these songs. And so, man, get into the Word. Get into worship. That's something you can do. Some of those things you need to stop, do the opposite. But if you feel at all like there could be some mental illness going on, we have no stigma when it comes to people with a heart issue, please don't carry that burden alone amen please in the name of jesus reach out for help i love you guys let's worship the lord with everything we have and if you need prayer come to these altars we'll dismiss here in a little
0: bit thanks for joining us for this episode of fuel for the journey for more information please check out www.momentumchurch.tv